epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire. From the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times. A light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light. Hi, I'm Huang Rei. On today's A Light on Literature, we continue to present the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. In today's episode, we present you the first part of the story, Home, written by Zhang Yueran, one of the most famous Chinese writers born in the 1980s and translated by Geng Song. The author Zhang Yueran was born in Jinan, Shandong province. Her representative works include a collection of short stories titled The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and the novels The Distance of Cherries and Promise Bird. Please enjoy the story. Chapter 1 The day before leaving, Cholo awoke especially early. So as not to disturb the usual routine, she lay in bed for a long while. When it was about time, she slipped into her nightdress, went into the living room, turned on the music, walked over to the window and held down a button so that the electric blinds drew up slowly. Squinting, she gazed out at the sun, so red as to give her goosebumps. She then took a shower, dried her hair with a blow dryer, brewed coffee, toasted bread, went downstairs to collect the day's newspaper and left it on the table. Having done these things, she looked up at the clock on the wall. It was time to wake Jing Yu. But as she approached his bedroom, she found that he had already awoken and was sitting on the bed looking dazed. This morning he was particularly sluggish. It was already past the time when he was usually out of the door, yet he was still sitting at the table reading the paper holding a half-drunk cup of coffee in hand. Yesterday, the company had officially announced the news of his promotion, so perhaps he had finally realised his goal after all the effort he had put toward it. His entire being suddenly fell slack. She had been anticipating this day for a long time. After hurried him several times, Jing Yu finally got up. Before heading out the door, he asked Cho Luo to go with him to celebrations his colleagues had planned for him that evening. Cholo refused, but then immediately felt a tinge of regret. Whether it was the look of joy and satisfaction on his face or not, she would still feel the same sense of unease. After seeing Jing Yu off, she locked the door from the inside, pulled out an empty leather suitcase, and began to pack. She had only packed some basic, favourite clothes, but it was already too much. Cholo took the clothes out one by one and put them back into the wardrobe, reminding herself that she wanted to start a brand new life, and so she ought not to take these old clothes with her. Blow dryer, hair curler, makeup, CDs, books. Carefully, she selected each individual item that would be accompanying her on her journey, placing each one in the luggage and then taking it out again, before suddenly deciding that none of this would be of much value to her. The suitcase was instantly emptied. At this point, the cat, which was sitting alongside her and watching the whole time, leapt into the suitcase and sat in the very middle, refusing to get out. She wasn't sure whether this meant that the cat didn't want her to leave, or that it wanted to go with her. 
Only after much effort did she manage to capture the cat and lock it in the study. By the time she came back, she had already lost patience and grabbing the clothes and makeup items nearest her, shoved them all into the suitcase along with some frequently used electronics and medications and then shut the lid straight away, not wishing to catch another glimpse of it. She was especially inept at packing luggage, perhaps because she rarely travelled far from home. In the past, she had not been fond of travelling. Travel was full of constraints, a lifestyle full of limitations. Now, however, her attitude had changed somewhat. She was more willing to call it a lifestyle of abstinence. She dragged the hefty suitcase back onto the balcony and placed the shoebox covered in dust back on top of it. Apart from the cat that was wailing in the study, nobody knew that hidden in that suitcase was the contents of the abstaining lifestyle that she was about to begin. It was another half hour before the supermarket opened. She sat on the couch and finished the novel that she was halfway through, skimming through the rest of the book. A dull ending. By the time he wrote the conclusion, the author himself had probably realised how fabricated a story it was, had lost all confidence in it and so hastily wrapped it up. It had been a long time since Cholor had read an ending that left her feeling satisfied. Many novels had some moving parts in the beginning, but they were only flashes in the pan, soon befuddled and losing direction. She knew that she was being too harsh on these writers, but she asked the same of herself. Hence, why she'd never become a novelist. In her adolescence, she had dreamed of writing, only to have those dreams destroyed by her own harshness. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. At 10 o'clock, she arrived at the supermarket. Black garbage bags, 50 by 60 centimetres, men's oil control cleansing body wash, anti-dandruff shampoo, Chinese mugwort soap, collar grime removing detergent, hand wash refills, three boxes of tissues, complex vitamins for men, 60 watt energy saving light bulbs, A4 printing paper, hazelnut cookies. Just before paying, she picked up four packs of IA batteries and dropped them into the shopping trolley. 12 o'clock dry cleaners to pick up a suit of his and three shirts. 12.30, eating a bowl of pork cartilage ramen alone before hurrying off to the pet shop to get a five kilogram bag of picky eater cat food and 10 packages of wet cat food. Asked the shopkeeper for a business card. Written on it was the address and contact number for deliveries. She took some money out from the bank next door and recharged the prepaid cards for electricity and gas. She arrived at the coffee shop at one in the afternoon. Still feeling drowsy after a cup of espresso, she leaned on the table and fell asleep. It was close to 2pm before Yuan Yuan came. Of course, she brought her daughter along with her. They moved outside to bask in the sun and didn't chat for too long, their conversation being interrupted by the child's cries several times. 
As Yuan Yuan picked up her daughter, rested her little face on her forehead and gently coaxed her, a strange thought suddenly crossed Cho Lo's mind. Did this little girl know that her mother's eyelid crease was surgically cut? Of course she didn't. Right now she wouldn't even know which part of the body the eyelids were. Cho Lo thought to herself, this world is a lie from the start. Even your own mother's eyes, as they smiled desperately at you, could well be false. At half past three, they left the coffee shop. On the way, Cho Lo washed the car and filled it up with gas, thinking to herself how she couldn't leave behind too empty a life for Jing Yu. When she got home, the part-timer Xiao Ju was there already and was busy wiping the floor. We have to do a thorough clean-up today, Cho Lo announced as soon as she came through the door. The guests coming? Xiao Ju asked. Can we not do a spring cleaning if there are no guests coming? Cho Lo retorted at which Xiaoju fell silent. This is the first time that she had done the chores with Xiaoju. The curtains were taken apart and washed and the bedsheets were changed. They threw out close to half of the food in the refrigerator that had expired and lost its flavour, disposed of four items of clothing and three pairs of boots that would never be worn again, groomed and trimmed the cat's long matted coat and tidied up the pile of magazines out on the balcony. The more she cleaned, the more chores presented themselves, and only now did she realise just how filthy and messy the house was. Xiaoju came over every afternoon to clean for a couple of hours or so, and now it seemed all that effort was just for show. Cholua suddenly felt bad, realising that her mother's past warning were right on the money. She had treated Xiaoju too leniently and spoilt her to the point of progressive laziness. It was almost seven o'clock when they finished the cleaning. Xiaoju was rather unhappy at having to work the extra hours for no reason. Tolo felt that since it was already the last day, she ought not to be bothered. She gave the old clothes and boots to Xiaoju. She knew that Xiaoju did in fact like to dress up and had always liked the clothes. Sure enough, Xiaoju's face lit up again upon seeing her begin to cook pasta and came over to help. As she brushed past her, Tolo once again caught a whiff of that scent she carried. When Xiaoju had first came, she really couldn't stand it. It was a grassy kind of smell, dry, harsh and, and grainy, the result of not eating well or getting enough nourishment, hence the impoverished odour. Later on, as she settled into the city, the smell gradually disappeared. What Cholo smelt now were the last wisps of it, and in a flash that too dissipated into the creamy aroma of the pasta. Xiaoju had often watched her cook pasta and had already learnt to pour a little bit of peanut oil into the pot so that the strands of pasta wouldn't stick together. Xiaoju had also learnt how to make pizza, cheesecake and cookies from her, as well as how to make coffee and open a bottle of wine. Chola was not sure whether Xiaoju would really make use of these flashy skills someday. She had originally planned for Xiaoju to stay and eat with her, but Xiaoju had to hurry off to work for another family and she said she was running late. So, Cholo ate the pasta by herself. Because she had used all of the remaining meat sauce in the can, the pasta was salty and thick, and she only ate a small half of it. As she sat there in a blank state, it crossed her mind that she had forgotten to tell Yuan Yuan that afternoon about the film she had seen two weeks ago, titled Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yuan Yuan had talked about it a long while back, she had said that there was just no telling whether the line Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which kept being repeated in the film, held some deeper meaning. 
After watching it, Cholor had searched around for it on the internet and finally discovered the line was a homophonic adaptation of the well-known folk song Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf? Then she found some of Wolf's collected works to read and even spent some time scrutinising the picture of the author on the title page. In that long face which really could not be considered beautiful sat a pair of piercing eyes. Gazing into them was heart-wrenching in the sense they conveyed of an uninhibited confession of the phony existence being experienced. She very much wanted to discuss this with Yuen so much so she thought about dialing her number that very instant. But Yuen was probably blocking with her daughter, or scolding the newly arrived fourth nanny, or continuing to debate with her mother-in-law about whether to go with a public or a private kindergarten. And so, even if she had remembered when they met that afternoon, Wolf would not have become a topic of conversation, nor would she ever become one ever again. Right now, Yuenryan was only afraid of the big bad wolf, not Virginia Wolf. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. The cat leapt onto the table, had a sniff of the noodles, took a few steps back, sat down and looked at her with eyes filled with distrust, as if to say, if you leave, what about me? Indeed, the cat was something Cholo had insisted on having. Jing Yu didn't like it at all. Because of the cat, he had to spend five minutes every morning removing hair from his suit with a lint roller. Now that Cholo was about to leave, the cat would naturally be worried for its own fate. But to look at it a bit more optimistically, if in searching around for a new household to give the cat to, Jing Yu were to enter into a new love relationship and the next woman of the house coincidentally liked cats a lot and didn't mind if it carried traces of the past on its body, then it could still be comfortably included in their new life. She slipped into a fantasy about Jing Yu's new life. Of how much time he would spend looking for her, how much time he would spend grieving about losing her, how much time he would spend healing this hurt, how long it would take him to find the next girl he might have affections for. How long will he spend dating her before they slept together? How long will he sleep with her until they move in together? Of course, several of these steps could occur simultaneously or be omitted altogether. This would be in line with his style of emphasizing productivity. Furthermore, there was indeed a very resolute side to his personality. She felt terrible, like she had been deeply hurt by him, and that leaving had instead become a kind of self-defense. Tilnor was in an agitated state of mind. Seeing that the clock read 10 o'clock already, she couldn't hold back the urge to give Jingyu a call. 
It was a raucous throng over there, and after eating, they moved on to Laohor's place for some drinks. Jingyu sounded very sprightly. It seemed he had also been drinking. I'll come and pick you up. Fearing he would reject the offer, Chou Luo hung up immediately. Laohor was Jingyu's superior, and his home was on the outskirts. Qin Luo had been there a number of times. Whenever she entered the vast complex, she would lose her way. Though luckily, the guard at the gate had already caught up to her on his bicycle and led the way in front of her. The first time she had come here, she had really liked it. Nobody could dislike these European-style houses with such extensive private gardens. The serenity at nighttime that seemed almost otherworldly, and the house full of antique furniture, each piece with its own story. Older than even one's grandmother, the patterned carpet made you wary of treading on it with any force. The fruit in the fruit bowl was so beautiful that it could have come straight out of a veneer oil painting. All of the utensils sparkled as she clutched her wine glass. She thought to herself, "Never have I drunk wine that sparkled so." With utmost cordiality, the hostess served up lobsters that had arrived by airplane and steak that came from spirited cows. And after dinner, she pulled out a jade collection for her guests to admire. The hostess was just as demure as the old world furniture, as if she were tailored for the house. The streak of light that shone from the floor lamp was like a dog knowing how to please its owner, making her radiate a goddess-like glow. Only after seeing her again at a cafe had Cholor felt at ease after discovering that the powder on her face was not spread so evenly, nor was it capable of thoroughly covering up the brown blemishes that time had marked on her face. Cholor tried her utmost to conceal her unacclimatized self, presenting herself in a very fitting manner. She knew that Jingyu felt the same, or even more so, as he had grown up in the countryside. And regardless of the grandeur of his experiences, deep inside his heart, there still remained a degree of loss. The first time they had left Laohor's house, she had asked Jingyu whether they could also live in the house like this when they reached Laohor's career in the future. She didn't know why she had blurted out the question. Perhaps simply in order to close the distance between them and this house. Yet as soon as the question had slipped out of her mouth, she herself even felt a longing inside her heart. Jingyu replied with a, "Yeah." He was hesitant, not about his own prospects, but the inauthenticity of the house. But as a goal to strive towards this house was ever so real. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book *The Sound of Salt Forming*, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories *The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890* and *Ten Loves*, and the novels *The Distance of Cherries*, *Narcissus Has Left with the Carp*, and *Promise Bird*. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German, and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor in chief of the journal *Carp*, which mainly publishes works by young authors. Later, Tolor dreaded coming to Laohor's house. While spending the entire evening discussing the Ming Dynasty antique vase on the table, she would suddenly have the cruel urge to swiftly stand up and throw it to the ground, hence prove that she had the courage of that child who had exposed the emperor's new clothes. 
but she did not. The only thing she did was to harbour those evil thoughts which made her very uneasy and it was with this great difficulty that she forced herself to stay seated. Whenever she was like this she would dart doing you a pained look but not once did he catch her gaze. She loathed this kind of lifestyle which she aspired to. The worst of it was that she was not jealous. She very quickly abandoned any thought of telling all this to Jing Yu. He needed to focus all his energies on this goal and keep working diligently at his job. Trying to reposition this goal would be equivalent to separating a dog from its bone. The consequences are to be predicted. So she remained silent, but began to realize from very early on that their ideals had parted ways. In comparison to breaking up, living separately and dividing their possessions, their parting of ideals was a breeze. She arrived at Lao Ho's house, heard a bout of laughter coming from inside, and her mind and body tensed, not wanting to enter into a room full of staring eyes. She thought about maybe just standing there in quietness for a little while. She looked at the three black cars parked on the side. All of a sudden, she couldn't recognize which one belonged to Jing Yu. Only after going around to the back to see the number plate could she determine which was his. They were all so similar. A girl in the distance was walking toward her. It was Lao Ho's daughter, who was only 14 years old and had already developed a very full figure. She hesitated, wondering whether she should say hello, but in the end lowered her head hurriedly, pulled out her phone and pretended to make a call. The girl walked up to her, looked at her and asked, why aren't you coming in? Her tone sounded somewhat stiff, as if tinged with provocation, making Chao Luo very angry. She almost blurted out a question of her own in reply, why should I go in? But she held it in, refusing to speak and continuing to press the keys on her phone with her head down. The girl entered and closed the door. Chao Luo knew that she now had to enter. Just as she was about to press the doorbell, the door opened. The guests came out, and Lao Ho's wife gently patted her shoulder. You came! Come in and sit for a bit. Cholo smiled and, and shook her head. Upon seeing her, everybody greeted her in turn. Jing Yu was at the door, after putting on his shoes, came out and passed her the car keys. As she saw them off to the car, Lao Ho's wife twirled Cholo's thin blouse between her fingers. Aren't you cold wearing so little? Seeing you makes me feel cold, Cholo chuckled gesturing at Lao Ho's wife's mink shawl. Jing Yu fell asleep in the car. Chou Luo turned on the music. It was a man singing a sorrowful song. She had never heard it before. She had not bought the album. Jing Yu woke by himself as the car stopped, opened the door and walked straight over to the door of the garage elevator, carrying a suit. Looking at him from behind, she felt as though he was already living in a post Cholo world. It wasn't until the next day, as she tugged at her suitcase and walked out the door, that she felt a trace of regret, as if she had left behind a piece of luggage. Cholo had always anticipated that she would have insomnia on the final night. This, however, was not the case. Before she fell asleep, she rolled over and peered at Jingyu for a moment. It was the last time, yet she did not sense any sadness at all. On the nights before this evening, she had constantly looked at him in this manner, rehearsing, on her own, their parting. 
She had rehearsed it so many times, with the hurt decreasing each time, until in the end, she could not even bother to begin. Who would know that the reason she must leave was simply because she had spent so much time imagining it? So it just had to be. Otherwise, life would be a pretense. What you've just heard was the first part of the story, home from the book, The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. Please join us on Light on Literature next time for the second part of the story. Hope to see you then. <laughs>